go in our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 15. We'll start at verse 1. As we continue this study on God's covenant with Abraham, and we have been on these two verses for a couple of weeks now. You've given some depth to this study, and so I want you to continue with me on this important study because the Bible says that the blessings of Abraham have come upon the Gentiles because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so tonight, as we study the covenant that God made with Abraham, we're ultimately studying the covenant which God has made with uh, or for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you, and your reward shall be very great. And Abraham, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? Since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born of my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Amen. Let's pray this evening. Father God, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. We thank you that you have a desire to speak to us tonight, and I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach and teach the word of the living God. I also ask you to anoint this congregation, that as they hear the word, they might receive it into the fertile soil of their hearts, that it bear much fruit in their life. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to focus tonight and continue our study on the reward we began a couple weeks ago dealing with the fact that God said to Abraham, uh, Abram, do not fear. I am a shield to you and your reward shall be very great. And I shared with you uh, that the word reward in this context uh, in the Hebrew means salary. And so God was saying to Abram, I am your salary. And I exp explained to you that there is an economic system into which we enter when we decide to serve God, and it is what I call the covenant economy. And I'll just uh, briefly review the four economies with you uh, tonight so that we can all be on the same page. The first economy is the economy of the curse, and uh, this economy is an economy of poverty and lack. It is spiritual, physical, financial, relational, every way you can think of. Until you are born again and come into the family of God, you can't help but be in the economy of the curse. And the economy of the curse has as its slogan, I can't afford it. Then I shared with you the second economy is the natural economy. And this economy operates by seed, time, and harvest and the currency of this economy is work and so the slogan for this economy is I will work for it 
And then we have the Babylonian economy or the Babylonian system. This is the economy in which the currency is debt and indebtedness. And the slogan in this economy is I will borrow for it. And so we see our nation operating in the Babylonian economy and the a great desire to have things um, and the uh, desire for commercialism has uh, led us to a great um, a level of indebtedness in this nation as a result. Finally, I mentioned to you that Abram made a decision to reject the economy of the world and to reject the Babylonian system and to say, I'm going to uh, be a part of the covenant economy of God. And so I shared with you this fourth economy is the covenant economy and the slogan in this economy is I am going to believe for it. And so the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that un not unto him who works but unto him who believes. A righteousness came to Abraham because of faith. Because he made a decision to believe God and to believe God for the things which God had promised to him. Now remember I have told you that chapter 15 of Genesis must be studied in light of chapter 14. In chapter 14 the king comes to, uh, to Abram and he offers him the spoils of war. And Abram said I cannot take those spoils from you lest you should say that you have made me rich. And so by doing that, Abram decided to reject the economy of the world and to be a part of the, econ the covenant economy of God. In other words, he was saying, my source for life, for health, for peace, for spiritual blessing will be the Lord God Almighty. He will be my source. And the blessing of God will be my source. The promises of God will be my source. But I'm not going to let a heathen nation or a heathen system uh, boast over me that they are my source. And Abram made that decision in chapter 14. And in chapter 15, God showed up. Listen, when you decide for God, God will show up in your life. Say amen, somebody. And so God shows up after Abram has made this very significant spiritual decision. And he says, I'm going to live by the economy of heaven, the covenant economy. God will be my source. And the outcome is this. The Lord appeared to Abram in a vision and he said to him, do not fear. In other words, he said to Abram, because you've chosen to live under my covenant, then I'll take care of your enemies. And uh, the, the war that took place in, in chapter 14 was a war of retaliation, which means you do something to me, I'll do something to you. This will go on forever, literally generations of war. God says to Abram, don't be afraid. You're not going to have to fight these people anymore. Say amen, somebody. Because I am now going to be your defense. I'm going to be your protection. You've entered into the covenant economy. He says, I am your shield. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to defend you. And I am your very great reward. He said to Abram, I'll be your economy. I'll be your salary. I'll be your reward. And so that's where we left off. If you didn't uh, hear that Bible study, 
Uh, you need to go back a couple of Wednesdays and listen to that online because there's a great uh, deal of revelation and truth in it that you and I need to be aware of because we are a part of God's covenant economy. Now, I just want you to know that because if you're looking at some results in your life and uh, you see the results in your life, you'll be able to tell which economy you're living in. And you'll be able to tell whether God is your source or whether uh, man is your source or what uh, is actually your source in life. But when you decide God's going to be my source, I'm going to live by the covenant principles of the word of God, then you can en enjoy the covenant blessings of God in your life. Say amen, somebody. All right, so let's study tonight a little further on this phrase as God says to Abram, I am your reward. Uh, I want to uh, read to you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Let's go over these uh, this evening in our beginning here. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 talks to us about this concept of the reward. And the Bible tells us, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. Now, before we even get started talking about uh, God as a reward, we need to understand this, that God is a rewarder. Say that with me out loud. God is a rewarder. Some people would say, you know what, you need to live for God and not worry about uh, ever receiving a reward. But God tells us, when you come to me, there have to be two things in your mind. Number one, you know you believe that I am. You're not talking to a a a figment of your imagination or a force of nature. You're talking to the Lord God of heaven and that I am a rewarder, that I'm just and that I reward those who diligently seek me. How many of you believe God is a rewarder? Hebreos 11.6 nos enseña que Dios dice cuando te llegues a mí, tienes que creer dos cosas. Número uno, que yo soy y número dos, que yo soy galardonador de los que me sirven. Now, there are a lot of people living today who do not have a single concept of this. And they're living their life as though they're never going to have to answer to anybody. You and I know better, right? That's why you came to Jesus. Because when you came to Jesus, Jesus took your, your wrath and your guilt. But if you're outside of Christ today and you're living like you're never going to have to deal with anybody or never answer to anybody. You couldn't be more wrong. A day is coming when every single soul of man will answer to God and discover that God is in fact a rewarder. God is the eternal judge and he will give to every man. He'll re recompense every man according to their deeds. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 40 verse 9 and 11. This is still our review from last time. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 9, 10, and 11. As we consider this fact that God is our rewarder. Yet, he said, get yourself up to the high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. And lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him. And his recompense is before him. Like a shepherd who tends his flock, 
In his arms he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead the nursing ewes. Now, we just read two verses, and let me ask you a quick review question. Is God a rewarder? What does Isaiah say? God is a rewarder. His reward is with him, and his recompense goes before him. So God says to Abram, fear not, I am your reward. Dios le dice a Abraham, no temas, yo soy tu galardón, yo soy tu salario. Yo soy la economía en la cual tú vas a vivir. Now, let's explore this a little bit tonight. First of all, this concept is, is essentially telling us that God himself is a reward. Dios mismo es un galardón. God himself is the reward. Dios mismo es el galardón. When we talk about God being our reward, we're not just talking about God receiving things from him. But we're talking about receiving him. And that he himself is our reward. Dios mismo es nuestro galardón. God said to the nation of Israel in Numbers chapter 18 verse 20. They were going to go into the promised land. And he said to the nation of Israel, he said, I am your portion and your inheritance. So you see, God is saying to the nation of Israel, he's dealing specifically with this people that he has loved and chosen. He said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor own, uh, own any portion among them. For I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. Now let me, get this, let me get this picture in our minds real quick. The nation of Israel had 12 tribes. They're going to go into the promised land. When they enter the promised land, each tribe will get a portion. But when they get into the promised land, you study the book of Joshua, they don't divide the land into 12 parts. They divide the land into 11 parts. Wait a minute. What happened? Somebody got left out. And uh, God is telling the nation of Israel, he's telling the Levites in particular, sons of Aaron, you're not going to have a portion of the land. You are not going to have a, a physical share of the promised land. Why? Because you're going to work in the temple. And I will be your inheritance. I will be your portion. Now I can already see somebody right now, they're renouncing being a Levite. Now, I don't want to be a Levite. I want my portion. But this is what God was saying to them. And what he's telling Abram and it's what he's telling us. If you will understand what it is to have God and what it is to have him as your reward, everything else is nothing in comparison to having the Lord and having the presence of God in your life. He's telling the Levites, look, you are going to be in my temple, in my tabernacle. You're going to be in my presence. You're going to minister at my table. There's no greater reward than that. God said to Abram, you chose to renounce the system of the world and to receive me as your economy, as the system in which you're going to live and operate. Therefore, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you myself as an inheritance. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. The Apostle Paul here writing, uh, describing the very same idea. He said in, in the earlier part of chapter 3, 
He said, I was a Jew's Jew, a Hebrew's Hebrew. Concerning the law, I was blameless. He, he, but he gets to verse 8 and he says, all of those things are nothing to me in, in comparison to knowing Christ. If I can gain Christ, I have everything. Listen, when we say those words, to gain Christ is to have everything. It's not just a platitude. It's not a quote. It's not just something that you put on your refrigerator. It's the single most amazing truth that you can utter when you realize that there is nothing in this world worth more than knowing and possessing the Lord Jesus Christ. And that in Him, everything you could possibly need has been provided and supplied for. Say amen, somebody. Pablo escribe a los filipenses y les dice, mire, Dios, uh, yo era hebreo entre los hebreos, era uh, eh, eh, de acuerdo a la ley perfecto, pero todo eso es como basura comparado a ganarme a Cristo. Teniendo a Cristo lo tengo todo. Eso no es solamente una expresión teológica o uh, una expresión inspiradora. Esa es una de las expresiones más poderosas que usted puede hacer. Y la revelación de eso es tan importante para nuestra vida. Say that with me tonight. God is my reward. Now I want you to, to say that, but I want you to believe that. Let that truth sink into your heart. Into your life. God is my reward. Now this is, this is interesting. Because a lot of people think that heaven is their reward. And it kind of is. I, I know that. But this is what the psalmist said in, in Psalm 73. Verse 75. He said, who have I in heaven but you? So the psalmist recognized not even heaven itself is good enough. There's more, and that more is the Lord himself. Who have I in heaven but you? In other words, the psalmist is, is saying, if I get to heaven and there's streets of gold and I get a, 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 a house or a mansion that's everything I could have dreamed of and every comfort is supplied, but God's not there, it'll be empty and void. Come on, somebody. The, the reward of my soul is Jesus. El galardón de mi alma es Cristo. Dice el salmista, ¿Quién tengo yo en el cielo sino tú? Si, si hay uh, uh, calles de oro y mar de cristal y hay casas y riquezas y lujo y comodidades, pero no está Cristo, está vacío el cielo. And I think this is the, the factor that has made the American church so weak. And so feeble is that we have, we have looked to the reward as being a thing rather than a person. And when, when you take Jesus out of the equation, then going to church is an option. And serving the Lord is an option. And being faithful in their tithe is an option. And honoring God with your sexuality is an option. And we start to reduce things based on their value compared to things. But when the church realizes the reward is Jesus, the reward is Jesus. There's nothing greater than Jesus. I'm going to live my whole life for him, to enjoy him, to experience his 
uh, reward and his presence in my life. Say amen, somebody. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Say, in Christ. God, first of all, has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. I said one day in a, in a foreign country, I was addressing some pastors, and I said, God bless you. And that was a pretty common thing, is what we say here in the United States. Afterward, one of the pastors comes up to me and says, Brother, why do you say God bless you? God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Smart Alec, that's what I wanted to tell him. Paul said he has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. Where? He says we have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places where? In Christ. If you have Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. If you don't have Christ, you don't have any spiritual blessing. There's a church here tonight. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Segunda de Pedro capítulo 1 verso 3. We read there about this blessing that we have in Christ. And the apostle Peter reiterates the same thing that Paul is stating to us here. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Come on guys. See that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. What has he granted to us? What has he granted to us? Everything pertaining to life and godliness through a true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Listen, Peter says, God has granted to you everything. Pertaining to life and godliness. Let me just pause there and just tell you, don't ever say, I can't. I can't live right. I can't live uh, for God. I can't say no to sin. I can't control my temper. I can't say no to drugs. Yes, you can. If you're a believer, God has granted to you everything pertaining to life and godliness. But where is this? It's in the knowledge of Christ. It's in the knowledge of him who has called us. And this, this, uh, this is an essential thing for you and I to understand. All of it is in Christ. In the knowledge of Christ. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. And so, you need to get Jesus. Say amen, somebody. Jesus is the possessor of the blessing. He's the possessor of every spiritual blessing, and you not cannot access it or obtain it except through him. So when God says to Abram, I am your reward, he's telling Abram, the knowledge of me will be of greater use to you than the, than the knowledge of any other thing in this life. And, and having me 
will be of greater use to you than any other thing in this life. Abram had just decided, I'm not going to do it the world's way. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to operate by the covenant economy. And now God comes to validate that decision by telling him, you have made the right decision. Because by having me, you have everything. It's all in the knowledge of him who has called us. Now, I want you to go to this second thought with me. And that is that God is our reward. That's number one. But number two, God's way is our reward. Living life God's way is part of the covenant economy. If you want to enjoy the covenant blessings of God, then you need to do things God's way. The, the connection between doing it God's way and receiving covenant benefits cannot be severed. God's will must be done God's way in God's time every time. La voluntad de Dios se tiene que hacer de la manera que Dios quiere. Entonces lo segundo que vemos esta noche es que los caminos de Dios son nuestro galardón. Nuestro galardón viene a través de hacer las cosas como Dios las quiere hechas. And, and I just, I, I think it's important for all of us to understand. God has a way that he wants things done. Say amen, somebody. And I'll just tell you, it's usually harder. It's usually longer. And it costs more. Somebody said, I heard among the Jewish people, there's a saying that says that it is expensive to be a Jew. And, and that's because of all the giving and the offerings and so on. And, and it's probably true among us, too. We could say it's expensive to be a Christian. Writing a tithe check from the natural perspective is expensive. Spending time every week in the house of God, in the study of God's word. And if you go into, into the ministry, it can be expensive. There is a cost involved. But see, God's way is so significant, so important, and if we, if we were to say, well, I'm going to focus on doing it cheaply, easily, quickly, then you're not going to be able to experience the covenant blessings of God. God wants things done His way. Say amen, somebody. Now, I'll give you some examples. Dios quiere que las cosas sean hechas de su manera. Cuando las hacemos de su manera, hay bendición. Operamos en la, en, en la economía del pacto de Dios. Cuando no, entonces se acaba la bendición. Se corta la fuente de bendición. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Vaya a Deuteronomio capítulo 15. I'm going to give you an example here. Déjeme darle un ejemplo. So you could say, well, it's expensive to be a Christian. It takes longer to do things God's way. Whatever excuse you could have. But what I want you to cultivate tonight is that it is more blessed to do things God's way. And that the reward is in doing it God's way. 
Deuteronomy chapter 15, God gives an instruction in this chapter concerning the sabbatic year. En el capítulo de 15 de Deuteronomio, Dios da la instrucción a la nación Israel concerniente al año sabático. So I, I, we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I'll, I'll explain it to you, abbreviate it, and then we'll read a couple verses. Basically, God says to Israel, here's what I want you to do. Every week, I want you to take a day of rest. That's called the Sabbath day. And that day is going to be a day of rest. You're not going to work. Your animals aren't going to work either. And then every seven years, I want you to take a year off, a year of rest. Now, I know what you're thinking. If I take a year off, it's going to be a lot of fun, but I'm going to be real broke. Remember, I said God's way. Is the blessing. Dios le dice a Israel cada semana un día de descanso y cada siete años un año de descanso. ¿Y qué está pensando el pueblo? Si yo tomo un año de descanso, me voy a quebrar financieramente. And so God tells Israel, here's, gonna, here's how this is going to work. If you will honor me on this instruction, you take every seventh year off. And on that seventh year, all debts will be canceled. And if you became a slave because of debt, you'll be free. And if you, if you have a, a slave, then you have to release them on that year. And if someone owes you money on that year, you'll be forgiven. You'll forgive them the, the debt. God's way. He said, if you honor me on this, on year, it's a, a seven-year cycle. On years uh, five and six, I'll give you a bumper crop. Means your crops will be really good on year five and six. So good that you won't need to work on year seven. You'll have enough money to get through that year off. And year one and two, will have, you'll have enough from the bumper crop to get you started on the next cycle. God's way. All right, so now, now we're starting to do some thinking, right? Wait a minute. I lent you money on year one, so you have seven years to pay it off. That's good. But what if someone comes and asks me to borrow money on year six? That only gives them a year to pay it off, and if they don't, I'm going to be out for the money I lent them on year seven. Come on, you guys are looking so sanctimonious tonight. But I know those same thoughts will go through your mind. So what are you going to tell Tio Carlos when he comes to ask for a loan on year six? Can't do it. What did I say? God's way is the reward. So God, he knew this was coming. So he tells them in chapter 15, verse 18, he says, it shall, it shall not seem hard to you when you set him free, for he has given you six years with a double service for a hired man. This is for a hired man or a slave. So the Lord your God will bless you in whatever you do. And you shall consecrate to the Lord God, the firstborn of the males. 
Now, what God says to him in verse 18 is, don't, don't let it be hard to do it my way. Don't consider it a burden to do it my way. If you have to release a servant or a, uh, a slave in that, in that uh, context, he says, you do that and don't let it be hard to you. Why? Listen, you will have had the benefit of their service, but the Lord then says, so the Lord your God will bless you. What's God saying? Remember, the employee is not your source. I'm your source. When you release them of their responsibility, you might be saying, well, look at all I'm losing. But God says that would be the wrong focus. I'm your source. The blessing is going to come from me. Verse 9, we have a similar statement. He says, beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of remission is near, and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin to you. So he says, when someone comes and asks you for a loan on the end of the cycle, don't have a base thought in your heart. Now that base, the word base there means low. Uh, I think King James calls it wicked. A wicked thought. Are you with me? God says if someone comes to you, you're, you feel God will come and say, can I borrow some money? And you say, wait a minute, it's year six. He's not going to be able to pay it off in a year. God says if you think about not helping him out, that's a low thought. Ever had low thoughts? This is not an altar call. I'm just asking. You see, he was telling them, if you have a low thought, you're thinking on the, on the Babylonian economy level. Or you're thinking on the, on the natural economy level. Or you're thinking on the poverty level. But you're not on that level. You're in the covenant economy. Say amen, somebody. So if you're in the covenant economy, you have to have a covenant thought. And we can be guilty of low thinking. And God says, don't let a base thought come into your heart. Saying, the year of remission is near. The, debt of, the year of debt cancellation is near. Instead, in verse 10, he says, you shall generously give to him. And your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. Once again, what's he teaching them? I'm the source. You're lending to Theo Carlos, but you're actually dealing with God. My way is the reward. Listen, if you learn this, the sooner the better, it's going to set you free. Because some of you can't eat Thanksgiving dinner because you're staring across the table at Theo Carlos. Where's my money? 
and he's over there talking about the vacation he just took and the car he's going to buy. And God says, if you stop and focus on that, you don't have me as your source. I'm your reward. Say amen, somebody. God is saying, I'm your economy. I'm your salary. And the sooner that a believer can learn to look at God as the source and not man, whether that man be Theo Carlos or your boss or the government or the president of the United States, listen, the sooner you realize my source is not of this earth, is not of this world, because everything on this earth is limited, but my source is the Lord God of heaven. He is my reward. God's way is a reward. So God says you be generous because the Lord will bless you. Not because your rich uncle's going to bless you. Not because somebody's going to pay you back. You rejoice. You be glad. You be at peace because I am your source. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 5. This, this is a, a passage that we often read at a wedding. It describes the capacity of a, of a couple to earn more. And the, and the Bible says there in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm in the wrong one. Sorry, verse 9. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for what? For what? Two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. Now, generally, we use that to discuss marriage because it then says if one falls, the other will lift him up and so on. And that's, that's good application for it. But I just want you to think about this tonight. Who's the two in this covenant economy? You are one. Who's the other? God. God says, when you do things my way, when you help out your, your brother who needs help, you are laboring with me. Say amen, somebody. And when two labor together, they receive a greater reward. Aren't you tired of doing it yourself? Come on, can't you just hear the Lord telling you tonight, are you done doing it yourself? If you'll just do it my way, if you'll take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come on, Jesus said, come on, if you will take my yoke upon you and learn from me, then you'll find rest for your soul. When the man or woman decides, I'm going to do it God's way, they are, they are yoking themselves, covenanting themselves with God. And he says, the two of us laboring together is going to produce a greater reward for you. A good return for your labor. Now let me just give you a little illustration so you can think about that. A father and the son go to work. 
and they're going to get a double return for their labor. But the son is, is young and doesn't know how to wield the axe, and the father does. And so the father, because he's bigger and faster and more experienced, can chop down a whole lot more lumber than the boy can. But when they walk out of there, they're both getting paid. And the boy probably spent half a day playing. But when they walk out of there, they're both getting paid. When you yoke yourself to God, you're not yoking yourself to an equal. You're yoking yourself to a father who's bigger than you and more experienced than you and has more power than you. Come on, somebody. When you labor with him, you're going to get a good reward. Just say tonight, I'm done doing it by myself. God's way is a reward. So you can spend time talking about, oh, it's so expensive to be a Jew. It's so expensive to be a Christian. Or you can realize there is no place where the pay is better, where the economy is better than to walk with God and to do things God's way. Say amen, somebody. Luke chapter 3, verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. It's God's way. What's God's way? Love your enemy. Do good. Lend. And hope for nothing in return. And your reward shall be great. And you shall be children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Dice San Lucas capítulo 6, verso 35. Ama a tu enemigo, haz lo, lo bueno, presta y no esperes nada en regreso. Y tu galardón será grande. Y serás hijo del Altísimo. Porque él es bueno. A los malos. You hear what God is saying there? When you do things my way, you will prove to be my child. And your reward will be great. So when you love somebody, instead of hating them, you do things God's way, God's going to bring a reward for that. Say amen, somebody. Luke chapter 14, verse 14. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. God says there's a reward when you do good. And the resurrection of the righteous will be one of the places where we receive that reward. Is a church here tonight. Luke chapter 19, verse 17. He said unto him, well thou, good and faith, well thou good servant, because you have been faithful in the very little, you will have authority over ten cities. God rewards faithfulness. When you do things God's way, God rewards you. Say amen, somebody. Are you doing it God's way tonight? 
Genesis 15.1, we're reading here tonight. God says, I am your exceedingly great reward. Exodus chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. Now, this is a, a, a beautiful story. If you know the story, that Moses' mother does this incredible thing. She takes Moses, a baby, puts him in a basket, puts him on the Nile River, and surrenders him to the will of God. That's faith. And guess where he ends up? Pharaoh's palace. Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby in the river. And she takes him in. And because Moses' little sister was kind of around, poking around, making sure she could see where her brother ended up. And then uh, she said, hey, you know what? I could find a babysitter for you if you want. And Pharaoh's daughter said, well, sure, go ahead. And guess who they brought? They brought, Pharaoh, they brought Moses' mama. And Moses' mama got paid to be Moses' mama. Say amen, somebody. Faith has a reward. Don't you forget it. I said, faith has a reward. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give you the wages. And the, child, and, the, and the woman took the child and nursed him. Now Pharaoh's mother is, pardon, Moses' mother is nursing Moses, her own child, and she's doing the thing she would have done anyway, but she's getting paid for it. And there's no one hunting that baby down because he has protection from the highest place in the land. Come on, somebody. When you do it God's way, there's a reward. However hard or difficult it may seem at the moment, do it God's way. Numbers chapter 18, verse 31. The Bible says, and you shall eat in every place, you and your household, for it is your reward for your service in the tabernacle of the congregation. God tells the children, uh, he tells the sons of Aaron, the Levites. He says, you're not going to get a la any land. You're not going to get any property. But you're going to eat the same thing that's being offered in sacrifice in the temple or in the tabernacle. Everywhere you go, you're going to be fed. Your needs are going to be met. This will be your reward. Second Chronicles chapter 15 Verse 7 says, be strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak or slack, for your work shall be rewarded. Is the church here tonight? Let's look at, at the context of that verse. Everyone say that out loud. My work shall be rewarded. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Say, do it God's way. First Chronicles chapter 15. Is it all right if we study the Bible at Bible study? Did I say first? Second Chronicles. You know I do that anyway, right? 
every chance I get. <laughs> Second Chronicles 15. Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And for many days, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching prophet and without law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and they sought him and he let, him, he let them find him. In those days, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. For many disturbances afflicted all the inheritance of the nation. And the nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. Listen, God said, Israel left me, they had, and, and they had no knowledge of the true God, and they had no prophet or priest to teach them. And they lived without the law, so they didn't do things my way. What was the outcome? They were in distress perpetually and in perpetual affliction. And there was nowhere they could go where there was no trouble. Sound familiar? Verse 7. But. Everyone say but. But you be strong and do not lose courage. For there is a reward for your work. Listen, if you will live by the covenant economy, you will live by the covenant economy. And God says, but you. See, what is God doing there? He's saying, these are the things that happen to the people that reject my way and reject my word and reject my law. But you, if you will live by my covenant economy, you will enjoy a, a distinction. There will be a distinction between you and the people. Say amen, somebody. God has set up a system whereby you can live distinctly from the world. And I've said it to you before, I'll say it again tonight. If you want to live like the rest of the world, you'll live like the rest of the world. Distressed and afflicted and hopeless and discouraged and discomforted. But if you will live with, with God as your source, then you will live with God as your source. One more verse for you tonight. Jeremiah 31 verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 16. What does the scripture say? Thus saith the Lord, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be re rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of the enemy. God is telling his people who are entering into exile, stop crying. The exile was a result of their rejection of God's way. 
And God says, stop crying. Because your work will be rewarded. If, if you're crying about something tonight, God says, stop crying. Well, things just aren't going my way. Stop crying about it. Start doing it God's way. Say amen, somebody. You know what, what? What God is pointing out there is that if you just sit around crying about it, if you if you and I just sit around moping about what's not working out, what's not going right, what didn't what didn't happen, they didn't pay me back, they didn't help me. They were supposed to be there all the time. They're supposed to support me. They promised they would, and you you're focused on that. God says, "Stop crying about it. You're a child of God. You have a source." A source bigger than the people who let you down. A source bigger than the people who failed you. A source bigger than the, than the provision that you think you'll have if you get one thing or another. Come on, somebody. God is saying to you and I, I am your reward. I am your economy. I am your source. Abram, do not fear. I am a shield to you and your exceedingly great reward. If you'll do things God's way, you'll find God's reward. And if you haven't found it yet, if you haven't seen it yet, you just keep doing it God's way. You keep walking in the direction of obedience, in the direction of faithfulness. God will not fail. He is the rewarder of those who what? Part-time seek Him. He is the rewarder of those who what? So-so, lukewarm, every other day. No, He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Monday I seek Him. Tuesday I seek Him. Wednesday I seek Him. Thursday I seek Him. Friday I seek Him. Saturday I seek Him. I seek Him in January. I seek Him in February. I seek Him in March. I seek Him in April. I seek Him in May. I seek Him in June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. I seek Him in 2021. I seek Him in 2022. I seek Him in 2023. Come on, somebody. He is the reward of those who diligently seek Him. Yes, Christianity is a long obedience. But if you will keep walking in faithfulness to God, in obedience to God, His reward will be exceedingly great. Say amen, somebody. Let's stand together tonight. I think somebody needs to make a decision tonight. That God's going to be your source. That you're going to live by the, account, the covenant economy of God. And maybe you've made that decision in the past, but you've been tempted to look at other systems, other sources. And God says, I'm your reward. Look to me.
I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'll be a greater blessing to you than all the men and women in the world could provide. Come on, let's just lift our hands to heaven tonight. And just honor him. Just honor him. You haven't lost time serving God. You haven't lost time seeking him. You haven't lost time worshiping him. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap if you faint not. I know it may, it may not look like right now. It may, not, it may not look like much right now. But you keep walking in obedience. I know you may be weeping. And you may be in sorrow tonight. You keep walking in faithful obedience. I, may you, I know you may not have all the answers. And you may not see your way clear. And it might look like darkness is surrounding you. But you keep walking in obedience to God. He cannot fail. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hallelujah. Almighty God, You are my source. To You I lift up mine eyes.